0: We're listening to Dairy Voice, a podcast exclusively for the dairy industry.
1: In this episode of Dairy Voice, we're delighted to be speaking with Ricky and Elizabeth Hall, who are partners with other family members in Fairmont Farm near East Montpelier, Vermont. In addition to milking a thousand registered Holsteins, the family also uh, has what you might call a diversified farming operation, which we'll hear about, and they're planning also for a guest consignment sale uh, coming up on June 18th. So we have lots of ground to cover today. Ricky and Elizabeth, welcome. Tell us a little bit about yourselves.
0: Thanks, Joel, for having us.
2: Yeah, thank you, Joel. Excited to be here. Um, I grew up here in Vermont. Uh, my family farm um, is where Elizabeth and I reside now. I started working at the farm in high school like most you know, farm kids do. And then decided to pursue a career in it. I went to Cornell University for animal science, got into judging cattle. So I was on the Cornell judging team when I was in school and kind of got the show bug that way, looking at good pedigreed cows and and nice looking cows and uh, worked for a couple farms at um, World Dairy Expo and New York Spring Show and, and stuff like that. And then I wound up being a classifier for the Holstein Association when I graduated. So I did that for a few years and met Elizabeth through both classifying and judging and kind of formed a relationship with her and and came back to the farm when I knew I wanted to come back to the farm and, and kind of knew that maybe Elizabeth down the road, we might have a future here. So um, yeah, really excited to be you know, farming in Vermont with my family and and starting a family um, of our own here as well.
1: Well, and we'll talk about that too, but Elizabeth, uh, you're from the Olson family in Minnesota, roots there in the registered Holstein business and the dairy industry. Uh, Tell us about your background.
0: Yeah, so like you mentioned, I was born and raised in Minnesota. I grew up doing the classic registered Holstein activities 4-h FFA and, and junior Holstein and uh, was lucky enough to be able to show locally and regionally and sometimes nationally but um, really enjoyed growing up with my my parents and and being involved that way I as well as Ricky decided to pursue a career in this industry and went to the University of Minnesota where I majored in animal science and applied economics and also competed on the judging team and Funny enough, that is how Ricky and I met each other. He was um, right behind me in reasons when we would be preparing to give reasons. And so we would chit chat every once in a while. So that was the start of things. But after graduation, I uh, was employed with Dow Sciences selling mycogen corn seed, specific- specifically BMR and soybeans in my area in Minnesota. Ricky and I were doing long distance and really wanted to try and cut that out and, and give give the relationship a try. And so lucky enough, Beringer Engelheim moved me to Vermont to sell uh, to veterinarians. And I now work for Alanco Animal Health in the same territory and I've been here now for, for seven years. And while I've been working for both of those companies, I've been able to on the weekends and nights and um, here and there, be able to be involved in Fairmont, and specifically the, the favorites of Fairmont and Fairmont Market. And um, it's just been really great to build a family with Ricky and do it here on the farm, uh, on the family farm, something that we both really are passionate about.
1: Well, Ricky, your folks are uh, Richard and Bonnie Hall. They're second generation, but they did a lot to uh, bring the farming together with other of your family members. Just introduce your family for us.
2: Yeah, so Richard and and Bonnie are my parents. Um, I'm partners with with them. Um, My older sister, Clara, I have a younger sister, Isabel, that is at Cornell University right now studying. And my cousin, Tucker, is another partner on the farm. So, you know, my parents, they started farming on their own when they got out of college on a small farm. And had the opportunity to merge their herd with a neighbor's herd, as well as my grandparents' herd. Um, my grandparents' barn had burnt down, and so they they moved their cows up to a neighbor's farm to milk cows until um, they could get things straightened out. And then all three of them had the idea to to put the herds together and and build a barn and and start milking cows in partnership together. So. Um, That's where we're currently milking a 1,000 cows, right in East Montpelier. We also bought a farm probably 12 or 15 years ago now in in northern Vermont in Craftsbury, where we're also milking 420 cows. My parents, my dad grew up farming with his father, um, and my mom grew up um, right nearby in Berlin, Vermont, Uh, went to school for for education at St. Michael's, and met my dad, and is now a large part of the farm, so yeah, that's kind of how, how everybody got to where they are, and, and I think we make a really a really great group of, of diversified owners that we all have our special skills and talents, and um, I think it they all complement each other, and, and that's kind of what you need nowadays is some owners that can do a lot of different things and and think outside the box and kind of keep things going.
1: And one of the facilities you bought is a name that's familiar to some of our listeners, certainly uh, the the Lyle Haven Farm property. I believe that's under your your guidance these days.
2: Yeah, so we bought um, the Lyle Haven Farm in 2014. We had been putting up their crops for quite a few years and kind of as a payment for doing that, we were able to use some of the feed for our own cows. When it was for sale, we knew that without that land, we would have to figure something else out.
0: And we all kind
2: of have a little bit of that registered Holstein in our blood. And we thought, well, if we really need the land, then let's let's buy the land and, and the barns as well. So we did, we did that right before their dispersal sale in '14, um, and started milking. 60 cows in a tie spell barn again. And so currently we milk seven elite show cows over here. Um, we're going to be moving, moving another 20 cows in here to get ready for the sale shortly. But um, during, during um, things with COVID and, and what our milk co-op did to, to start a quota system, we, we thought it was smartest to move this, this quota from this small farm over to the large farm. So we moved most of the cows over there as well. And kind of kept their favorite cows that we wanted to work with um, to make embryos out of and and bought a bought a group of pigs and so we're feeding some pigs with with the cow's milk and we're not shipping milk over here and we're milking in a bucket again <laughs> <Full> <laughs> and, as, and as silly
0: as that sounds joel it's um, it's kind of what as you mentioned before is you know knowing what our strengths and advantage are, advantages are as to where we live. And in Vermont, there's a huge demand for people to know where their food comes from. In essence, with COVID, people have been trying to, A, reduce their contacts in terms of grocery shopping. So we started an on-farm market last year using those, that, that meat from the, those pigs, feeding these show cows here at the Haven, and capitalizing on the fact that the Lyle Haven property, which we now affectionately call the Haven. It's a beautiful property, and it's um, a way for us to showcase agriculture and have people come to the farm, consumers specifically, and get their meat and know where their food is coming from. And so it's been a blossoming business, Fairmont Market, and it's been a way for us to really tie in a lot of our passions um, as a family, and that's food and and nice cows.
1: And you're involved in the market with uh, your sister-in-law and I think your mother-in-law. Is that the case too?
0: That's right, in addition to Melissa Purchase. So uh, there's sure. four of us women who started Fairmont Market. That would be Melissa Purchase, Clara Ayer, Bonnie Hall, and myself. And all four of us, again, have different strengths and passions. And all four of us are moms that we confidently can feed our kids this, this meat. And we wanna try and connect to that consumer base in our local community, that they can get to know us on a personal level, get to know their farmer on a personal level, it doesn't have to have certain labeling claims or whatever it might be. They just have a personal connection, and that's resonated with our community, our neighbors, and our friends. So Fairmont Market's been fun selling beef, lamb, and pork here at Fairmont.
1: And you're doing some crossbreeding with beef semen too, which uh, probably is a source for the for the farm as well as uh, uh, offspring to market.
2: Yeah. So we um, the the herd that I mentioned in northern Vermont. We milk like 400 cows there and kind of a unique area that it's hard to grow corn. It's just a little bit colder up there. It's cold in Vermont already. and um, we, we don't have terrific land and then you get up to Northern Vermont and, and it's even worse. So uh, we used to milk, um, we called it our low herd up there. So everything that was up there was either pregnant or potentially a cull cow and they went there to finish their lactation. And so that we would melt them up there, we'd dry them off, and we'd send them back to the main farm and calve them back in in East Montpelier. Um, recently, we decided to change that and make it a herd of animals that were all going to be bred to beef. So we started realizing that we don't need all these females. And when you're making the, the best females from the top of your herd, um, there's, it's hard to figure out what to do with the rest of them and find a market for them. So we decided to start using a lot of beef semen. So um, that whole herd is comprised of mostly older cows or maybe younger cows that um, their genetics aren't
0: aren't what we're looking
2: for in our herd. So they go up there and, and they get bred to beef and they'll, they'll cat back in there again. So everything that goes up there stays up there. And then we sell those animals those um, beef crosses whether they're a limousine cross or an angus cross um, we sell them at you know three to six days old we have a great market for those calves we do a really nice job feeding those calves and and that makes a big difference when you have a buyer that knows that they're buying a a beef calf that has started off the right way so we try to do do a great job with those calves and then keep the ones that we need for ourselves for the market. Hi, I'm Tim Hammerich. Looking for your next podcast? Check out the Fresh Cow Files from Zoetis, where we'll discuss hot industry topics including antibiotic stewardship, employee training, transition cow periods, and more.
0: The more you train employees, the better they're at making decisions for the well being of animals.
2: So if you're ready for some eye-opening insights, I sincerely hope you'll join us on the Fresh Cow Files, available wherever you listen to podcasts.
1: Tell us uh, a little bit about your main dairy facilities. What kind of uh, freestyle barn, uh, your milking system, tell, tell, give us a little bit of a picture of the, of the main facility.
2: Yeah, so the, the main facility was built in 1992, and it's the original parlor aside from a few small upgrades but um, it's a double 15 parallel parlor and six row barn and it's a facility that that we keep pretty full so our our overcrowding we're overcrowding at you know 20 and and above and we feel that we do a great job with with cow comfort and and cooling our cows in the summertime and and keeping them comfortable all year long that, that that's that's optimal for us so we we built a new calf barn maybe 12 years ago now. It's, it's hard when you're getting older. Now I'm 30 years old and I feel like I've said 12 years for five years now. But, um, so our, our calf barn is, we do a great job raising calves. Our calf manager, Lindsay Hoffman does a phenomenal job. So all the calves are, it's free choice milk. Um, and depending on the price of milk it's either whole milk or it's milk replacer so we have a price point where um, it makes more sense to sell our milk and unfortunately recently it hasn't made a lot of sense to sell our milk so we've been feeding milk replacer as of late and so it's acidified milk and the calves have free choice milk all day and all night Um, there's six to eight calves in a pen and three nipples per pen and So, you know, we get really nice, healthy calves coming out of our calf barn. And everybody knows that that's a great, you know, great place to start when you get your calves off to a great start. And we know that we're not keeping any extra calves. So, you know, we can't have any high death loss in our, in our heifers. So we keep the best and we do as good of a job with them as we can and get them into the milking herd and in the best shape we can. And um, and then it's off from there.
1: What sort of production levels are you able to uh, achieve in the, in the milking herd?
2: Currently we're probably making about 92, 93 pounds a day in Craftsberry. The, those are the older cows and, and we have no two-year-olds in Craftsberry and we're making about 91 to 92 pounds a day in East Montpelier. So the East Montpelier herd, as I said, Said um, all the two year olds are there, so about 55% of our East Montpelier herd are two year olds. And you know, the cows are, are doing really well. We average a oh, like a 405 butter fat right now, and like a 32 or a 322 protein. Our somatic cells around 150,000 right now, so I think it's a really healthy herd. And and I think moving the, the older cows to Crassberry, Crassberry has a four row barn.
0: It's a little bit
2: less crowded and a little bit more comfortable, I would say, with having a four row barn. There's just a little bit more space um, in those four row barns. The cows,
0: you know, it's a double
2: eight parlor up there. And I would say the cows aren't as pressed to, to get through the parlor. And and so I, I think we do a, a great job up in Crassberry with that older herd.
1: Tell us uh, about your farming activities. You've got uh, quite a bit of land that uh, your website talks about. I imagine it's scattered around a bit too, knowing knowing Vermont and knowing that you've got three facilities.
2: Yeah, so we we chase a lot of land. Um, it's nothing like the Midwest, I, I know that. We got a lot of 10 acre fields, eight acre fields, a lot of rented ground. So you know, we adopted a no-till strategy many years ago. My father did. And since that, we've tried to be a kind of a low, low input on the land, low traction, low, you know, low miles on our land. You know, get on there when we need to. Um, so we plant mostly conventional corn, a little bit of BMR corn. Again, we just don't have the land and we don't have the growing days to support Um, that really impressive long day corn and and, you know BMR corn so we know we know what we have here in Vermont and we try to uniquely you know use the tools that we have um, in order to get the best yields off of our land Um, and so my father and and Tucker purchased my cousin who's another owner that that manages that side of the business they do a great job getting on and off the fields. And we typically get four cuttings of grass. We cannot really plant much alfalfa successfully. There's some mixed alfalfa grass fields, but we don't have any straight alfalfa fields and we don't have any soybean fields. And on a really, really good crop year, we might do some high moisture corn um, if we know we have some excess, but generally speaking, it's all for silage.
1: Sure. A little bit different kind of farming than what you grew up with, Elizabeth, I'll bet.
0: Yes, uh, quite a bit different. Jokingly enough, at our wedding, we had what was called a, a soil ceremony, where um, the, the the couple brings soil from each one of their, their family's farm, and my soil was typical black soil of the Midwest, and Ricky's soil was a little bit sandy and had quite a bit of organic matter and corn socks. And um, it was funny, but it was, uh, you know, kind of uh, a unique symbolism of truly the difference in terms of land and what each location is, is most efficient at or, or best at or known for. And I feel like Fairmont has tried to really own that and, and know what they, they can have as an advantage in the industry. So quite a bit different. Yeah.
1: well let's uh, shift gears a little bit and talk about your breeding program uh, your registered Holstein uh, merchandising and of course your upcoming sale
0: so right now Joel both Ricky and I are looking outside of a window um, looking at the cows that will be on offer uh, June 18th at the favorites of Fairmont sale really our philosophy with uh, favorites of Fairmont is to sell our favorites and uh, not withhold any of, of the good ones or hide them but We've selected seven brood cows um, for this sale that we've worked with in terms of IVF and flushing and, and raise those heifers like Ricky mentioned in our, in our calf facility, our heifer facility, and also selling quite a few of those cows from those brood cows. And really our philosophy with, with breeding and, and pedigrees is A, ones that will transmit, B, ones that have household names, um, and would allow for the buyers to have a market of themselves to make money off those individuals. Last year we were planning a, uh, a sale and with COVID we just felt a little bit funny about it so we decided p- to postpone it and last year we thought the animals looked good but they've had a year to develop and grow and, and boy this year they look great. So that's a little bit of a snapshot into our philosophy and like we said, we'll, we'll sell pretty much all of our favorites and, and reinvest thereafter. Um, so that's our, our plan.
1: High production, high type, and a few guest consignments too, I understand.
0: That's right, there's 109 in the catalog and uh, 27 of them are consignments. And uh, really those consignments are ones that we would wanna buy ourselves, grow from, and, and build the next generation of Fairmont, uh, favorites to Fairmont and um, those are from our friends and family from across the industry, and really sincerely thank them for entrusting those individuals with us and should be a good sale.
1: And uh, the Catle exchange, Dave Rama is your sale manager and uh, folks can find information online. Just tell us a little bit about the online opportunities.
0: That's right, Dave and Mary Rama, some of the best in the industry are managing the sale. You can find our catalog, which is live today um, at com or at the cattle exchange. And we'll do a lot of updates on Facebook. Also the sale, if you can't make it out to Vermont, we know it's kind of in the corner of the country. It will be on CowBuyer, buyer, which is, um, was our biggest buyer from our last sale and definitely brought us quite a bit of success in that regard. But, um, we would love for everyone to come and visit. We're definitely doing a, a full experience, a full event. We're having a whole hog barbecue from our own pigs, offering local beer, wine, cheese, the, the whole nine yards. Um, nothing's been spared. So it's going to be a fun summer event. Everyone's ready to start socializing again. Um, and uh, we'll make it a fun event here at Fairmont.
1: Sounds like it'll be a great time let's just touch briefly on a couple of the other activities uh, that your family and your farming activities are involved with uh, both of you you've got a you, you do some work with with youth uh, I know both of you coach some judging teams, but you also invite young people' children to the farm too what What does that involve?
2: yeah, so my sister Clara um, and my mom Bonnie have run a Day camp for the past four years, maybe um, they've had 25 to 30 kids that come for the week um, for two or three weeks out of the summer. So these kids are given a calf on the first day. They're taught, you know, what it what it takes to take care of this calf, feeding it, brushing it, um, cleaning it. Uh, making sure it's healthy. And then um, to the end of the week, they get to present this calf to their parents on on the final day and kind of show, show them what they've been working with. They take calves that maybe aren't halter trained and kind of make them docile for the farm. It's great. We get kids (laughs) that halter break our calves and um, (laughs) do a great job with them. We try to pick out calves that might go in our sale eventually because uh, it gives us a great start. Um, but for these, you know, these kids are, maybe don't get the chance to be around animals um, every day other than their, you know, mm-hmm. their dog and their cat, and, and uh, they get to see a calf that's, that's going to grow to be, you know, a milking cow, and they think that's just the coolest thing, um, and a lot of these kids uh, have followed up with their calves throughout the year they stop at the farm and and wonder where petunia is and then i gotta look up who petunia is and, <laughs> and find her for them and um uh, and so it, i think it's great for for the kids and great to have the parents come to the farm and and kind of see what we're doing and they might just see the big stinky trucks going up and down the road and slowing them down and it's nice to see uh it's nice for them to realize why we're doing this and, and the bottom line is we all, we all farm and we all take care of animals because we love to do it and we know um, it's, important for, it's important for the world for us to take care of these animals so that we can feed everybody and, and I think it gives just a greater, greater respect to the, the community members and, and kind of showcases why, why we are here and why we're doing this every day.
1: Uh, also, in terms of image and outreach, uh, Fairmont's been a dairy of distinction for almost, tw- or mo- maybe more than twenty years, and was Vermont Dairy Farm of the Year back in twenty seventeen too. So your your public relations, uh, I'm sure, are a, a great addition to that part of the world and to the dairy industry.
2: Yeah, and I think they need to be these days, right? I mean, you can't you can't put your head down anymore and and uh, just barrel through it and you know, take some of, some of these things for granted. And, and I think being open with everybody and, and doing things the right way and, and in terms of handling your animals and handling your neighbors and, and your land and doing all that stuff, you know, with respect and being proud of it and being proud of what you're producing. I think it's hard when you're busy every single day farming and, and you kind of lose track of that stuff, but you know, that's, that's why we all do it.
1: Well, it's a great, a great story, a great family story, and it's great for the industry. And we appreciate uh, hearing about you. Uh, We haven't mentioned your two children. I think we should do that. There's a number of, they have a number of cousins running around the farm too, I guess.
0: That's right. Yes. So we do above all else that we've talked about. The most important thing to us are our two wonderful babies, um, Theodore, Teddy, is three years old, um, wants to grow up just just like daddy, be a farmer, and um, Hazel just turned one year year old and um, certainly a spitfire. She has cousins, uh, Carson, Evelyn, and Lorraine. Those are the children of Claire and Dana Eyre. and then Melissa and Tucker have two wonderful girls, Ella and Sophie, quite a bit of them uh, for the next generation, the fourth generation of Fairmont, and it's nice that they can all grow up together.
1: Well, it makes a great story, and we thank you very much for sharing it with us. Uh, We also wish you a a great day for your sale, and uh, we hope that goes well on June 18th. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, Rick and Elizabeth, uh, for speaking with us. This is your host, Joel Hastings, for Dairy Voice. You can find us at dairybusiness.com.